Welcome to the Raptors Community Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony, this time finally in person, doing something live. I got my co-host, Bianca, over there, and our special guest. He's been on the pod before, talked a lot about his journey. Today we're going to take it another level deeper. He trains with Mo Bamba and um, Ken Birch. It's Henry Wu. Thanks for coming on the pod, my boy. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm excited to be back on here again, for sure. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with the first topic. And... So first of all, it's about the city. It's the first thing I want to talk about because we already talked a little bit about it, but you're from Chicago. Right. Um, but you're obviously spent a lot of your time in Toronto. You spend your time in Orlando. Rank those cities for me. Chicago. I'm going to go Chicago, <laughs> Toronto, Orlando, only because I'm from there. I, I'm not really from Evanston, so it's a small it's like small suburb right outside of Chicago, but I just home is home. So it's like for anyone else, like if you're from there and mm-hmm. you really love where you're from, um, you know, that's always going to be my number one wherever yeah. I go in the world. Um, but I love Toronto. It's one of the best cities in the world. Um, probably my second favorite city in North America, outside of Chicago. Mm. Um, the people here are great. Uh, the fans, the Raptors fans are great. The food, the culture, like there's nothing like it. You know, it's so diverse, and the people here are so great. So, yeah, I love Toronto, man. I, I, I'll come try to come here as much as I possibly can because it's just, it's just, uh, it's the place to be. Yeah, it's the I place think you're gonna be. love hearing you say that. What about you, Bianca? What do you think? What I think about Toronto. Yeah, it's definitely a fun place to be. It's very fast paced. Like, there's not a lot of sleep that you get in Toronto. You're either working or you're going out, you're yeah. eating. There's so yeah. many different things to do. And it's definitely a very great place to be, like, in terms of diversity. There's a lot of sports culture here. Yeah. So, I definitely love the city. I grew up here and yeah. I, I don't see myself leaving anytime too soon. <laughs> yeah, same here. I just moved here a week ago, so it's been nice being here. And obviously, like you said, there's great sports culture here. You've got, obviously, the Blue Jays, you've got the Leafs big team haven't had much success but yeah. you know the Raptors are obviously why we're here right. and what we're here to talk about and so I think it's interesting to start this off to talk a little bit about kind of the expectations for the Raptors this right. year because last year was an interesting year they went down 3-0 it seemed like they were down and out they had an interesting showcase of you know their mentality right. how they're able to fight back through injuries as we saw right. um, so maybe let's let's talk a little bit about what we expect for Toronto this year I kind of put on my Instagram I put that they'd be a top four seed right. and then once I actually looked at uh, the Eastern Conference I was like hmm oh shit like <laughs> there's a lot of good teams yeah. a lot of good teams we saw what happened this offseason right with um, right. Cleveland became a lot better adding Donovan Mitchell I think Boston became better too every team just seems like they're kind of forming to them so you know what are your thoughts on the expectations of Toronto and kind of the Eastern Conference yeah, I think the East is deep. It's probably the, the deepest I've seen the East in a long, long time, yeah. um, especially with Cleveland adding Donovan Mitchell. Um, I have the Raptors in the top six again. I think they'll be a yeah. playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's not there's going to be not much parity between one through six. Obviously, if you look at the top of the East, you have to make sure that Miami, uh, Boston, uh, Brooklyn Nets, just because they have Kevin Durant, um, are in your top three. You know what I mean, like those, yeah. those three have to be in there. Obviously, Miami and Boston went to the conference finals mm-hmm. and then you have you know Brooklyn when you have a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving and a Ben Simmons you know you can't yeah. count those guys out I don't care yeah. they got swept that's just my personal opinion yeah. like when you have a Kevin Durant who in my opinion when healthy is the greatest player in basketball um, obviously with the Milwaukee Bucks as well like those four teams are your top four yeah if I, if I look at it on paper yeah and I think Toronto's right there you know like mm-hmm. they're they're they have one of the deepest rosters in the NBA yeah I think that's something that is over the course of an 82 game season obviously it's way different the playoffs you have to have a star player um, but over the course of 82 games I think that's why the Raptors got a top five seed last year yeah they were just so deep and even when injuries hit someone stepped up um, they can go 11 or 12 guys deep, mm-hmm. you know. So I think the Raptors and me are going to be a top six seed. Yeah. Um, somewhere in that top six, they yeah. may be four. Yeah. Um, they may be six. I, I mean, I just think that with Nick Nurse, he's the best coach in the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think he gets the best out of whatever you know, team he has. Um, so I have them in the top six. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting teams, right? Like, I think, you know, you definitely laid out proper. I think, yeah, Boston, Milwaukee, you have to give them the respect. The Nets are an interesting one, right? Because everything that happened this offseason. So who knows, like, what's going to happen there. But if Ben Simmons plays and, and if they keep it all together, I agree, definitely a top four team in the East. Philly, I think, is still in there. They deserve the respect. They can have Harden and, and be together. Because when they play together, I think they're one of the best duos in the NBA. Like, they barely lost any games until the playoffs came. So that's another interesting team as well. Miami's the one I think is going to fall off. But okay. I just feel like you just look at you know this roster, they're the age another year. And as much as I love Kyle Lowry, he had a, a tough season overall, obviously facing injuries and kind of you know integrating into a new team. Had a great game as like a facilitator 
I know we saw Toronto's facilitation drop a lot too, right? They became the worst team in the NBA for their assist to, to field goal made ratio. Like they have a, a point guard issue right now too is another thing. So we'll see if the Raptors can adjust that. They added Josh Jackson, they added Otto Porter, so they became deeper, like you mentioned. So it's going to be interesting. I want to hear your thoughts on the Eastern Conference too. I saw your ranking the other day, and you didn't you put the Nets at six? You put them I think, I, I, think I put them at six, but it wasn't a power ranking. This was like a regular season wins prediction. Yeah. So if we're power ranking them, the Nets get vaulted up respectfully. But yeah, I had them six because of the uncertainty there yeah. too. Right. That's been the whole sideshow of the whole off season, right? Yeah. Waiting what's going to happen with Kevin Durant, and obviously, like we've had this whole Ben Simmons saga going on the last couple of years. So I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen now that he's staying, because a lot of people are saying, are they just going to have Kevin Durant for the first little bit, and then that's just to raise his trade value so people can kind of trust that he's going to show up, and then he's gone, or are they actually going to have that big three work together? Because we haven't seen the potential of that big three yet and what it's going to look like, so yeah. I think they're obviously going to be ahead of the Raptors if they don't mm-hmm. fumble the bag. Yeah. It'd be pretty hard to fumble that bag at this point. I feel like all the drama that could happen has happened. Yeah. So I think they'll definitely be ahead of us. I think Raptors would be a five or six seed, though. Yeah, I think a lot of people are counting out the Raptors this season, and people are kind of expecting us not to be a force to be reckoned with yet. But I agree, like we just have great coaching, yeah. and we have a deep team, so I think it's going to be still fun to watch. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, I agree. One thing that's interesting about the Nets, I went to a playoff game, albeit it was game four against Boston when they were down 3-0, but there wasn't any energy in the crowd. Like when I was watching the game, there's actually, like, it just felt dead the whole time. There's more Boston fans than there were Nets fans. Yeah. So I kind of want to know what your thoughts were, Henry, on, you know, how impactful or how important is, you know, a home crowd to, you know, winning a playoff series or getting a team like Brooklyn, for example. Uh-huh. Um, if we see them going all the way, like how could we, you know, judge that based on their fan base not having as much energy as like a Toronto fan base or like the Warriors. I went to Warriors game too, the loudest, Fan base I've ever heard in my life. All right, now, fans definitely, in my opinion, play a big part. I don't think it's the end all be all of an organization playing well, though. Yeah. Um, I think definitely, um, obviously, the best teams in the league are going to have great fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so they definitely, when you go to a, you know, especially here in Toronto, like when you go to a game, like I sit there ten minutes before the game starts, and like when the, when the Canadian national anthem plays, you, I can get chills. Yeah. You know? like, yeah you can, feel like you can feel yeah. it, right? But I think when the game starts at the end of the day, like you need the players to be successful. It doesn't matter what kind of fans you have. Yeah. And so I think last year, I think Brooklyn, it was just a lot going on within the organization mm-hmm. with the Benson and stuff, the Kyrie Irving stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't. No one knows where Kevin Durant's head was. I think media day this year is going to be so fun to see what yeah. you know what what he says just about the whole scenario. Because I'm sure that wasn't just something that he's been thinking. Yeah. In the, you know, just now, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it lingered from the end of the season last year. So. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like this year, especially in regards to Brooklyn, like if they have their guys come to play, I don't think it really matters what fans are in the building. Absolutely. I think, you know, if you have a Kevin Durant type of player who's played in all type of environments, who's played in Golden State, like you said, with some of the best fans, and played in hostile environments, you know, on the road, like in a Cleveland and NBA Finals, yeah. I think the fans don't really, for him and that type of player, and same thing with Kyrie Irving, who's been on both sides, right? right? Like, He's been at the top and he's been at the bottom as far as like the way fans look at him. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have those two type of players on your team, I don't think the fans play like the end-all, be-all of, of the success of how that team goes. But mm-hmm. definitely you can tell when you're at a game, yeah. as a player, fan, or anything, the energy in the building, and it definitely plays a part. Yeah, for sure. And even you know when they went to the second round against Milwaukee, there was still a ton of energy in there. So I think they can bring it. It was just a, a function of the situation, kind of like what that whole year was like, right? Because you, know, you have the James Harden debacle that goes on he gets traded Ben Simmons comes he doesn't play so I think yeah they're definitely a wild card and we'll see what they can do I'm excited because of the parry in the east like you mentioned like Cleveland's gonna be a great team too I kind of want to get both of your guys takes we'll start with you Henry on um, where do you think Cleveland I'm a a big Cleveland fan I'm a big shout out my guy Lamar Stevens man I think think Cleveland is gonna be an interesting team yeah I think if they they have probably have a top five backcourt in the NBA with Darius Garland Donovan Mitchell now by far Um, I think the biggest thing with them is going to be their depth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, they're starting they're starting five um, is, or four with Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, uh, Darius Garland, and Donovan Mitchell. That's a really good core. Absolutely. But any team I've seen that is successful in the regular season and playoffs, their role players are really, really, you know, are really impactful. Yeah. And with Cleveland, 
think in the past we really don't know too much about the role players. Like obviously I'm going to shout out Lamar. Lamar Stevens is a great role player for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many minutes he sees this year. That's going to be something we're you know we'll figure out me and him. But um, as far as the rest of the role players, Kevin Love, Chetty Osman, uh, Ricky Rubio, Karis Levert, yeah. like they haven't you know we really don't know what you're going to get out of those guys. Absolutely. And so I think that's what's going to be the X factor because obviously you know what you're going to get out of you know the, their core four. Yeah. But to be a successful team in, in, in the NBA, especially when it comes to playoff time. Like you need role players Absolutely. who know their job. Like that's why Golden State won. Mm-hmm. Gary Payton, Kevon Looney, Andre Iguodala, um, all play a huge role in their success. Mm-hmm. You know, Draymond Green. I mean, those type of guys play a big role. So um, I think that's what's going to be the determination of how Cleveland does this year. Absolutely. And what's interesting is, like you mentioned, Kevin Love's there, Karis Levert's there. Both those guys have contracts that are tradable too. So if they decide that you know there isn't a fit. They have fluidity to add to that roster as they see fit. Now that they've added Donovan Mitchell too, their offense was one of the weakest points last year, right? They had a really good defense, like steam headed by uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And now you add these guys, another all-star, Donovan Mitchell. This team could have three all-stars. Like, they could be yeah. legit. Uh, Bianca, what are your thoughts? I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch. And I think yeah. like, it's great that they have the addition of Donovan Mitchell because obviously we've seen them go through a little bit of a roller coaster, yeah. come from the top to the bottom. Yeah. And now I think this year, like they actually have a chance to be a good playoff team mm-hmm. and just with the young players, but then also you have kind of veterans like Kevin Love to lead the team. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch this year for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like it's one of those things where now you can say that the East is probably better than the Western Conference. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the Eastern Conference side. Like, there's nine teams deep. Like, even Atlanta could do something, right? Like, they're a team that people aren't talking about, but they added DeJounte Murray. So now they just added, like, a guy that averages a triple-double nearly onto their team and one of the best defensive players in the league. So, you know, there's so many interesting storylines going into this year, and I think that's why it's so exciting why basketball is like, continuing to pick up steam. Is like there's more and more young players coming into the league that are just making things uh, super exciting there. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think let's talk a little bit about the Western Conference too quickly. You know, we're right. Raptors fans, but I think we still are basketball fans. Right. Um, you know, Golden State made it all the way to the promised land last year. I think there's still some interesting teams, though, in the Western Conference. You've got the LA Clippers, Dallas added Christian Wood. I think there's some interesting teams that you think about and you can say, hey, this team could potentially, you know, make a stand and make it to the NBA Finals. What team in the West do you think has the best chance of making it to the Finals? Outside of Golden State? Outside of Golden State. Okay. Because yeah. uh, I know your answer is going to be Golden State then, number one. Yeah, I mean, I would say the Clippers. I yeah. think the Clippers are really interesting. I think them adding John Wall, um, add the dynamic they, they haven't had at their roster, so they can pick up the pace. I think with Paul, George, and Kawhi, they're a very half-court-oriented team yeah. um, where they pretty much play a lot of isolation and pick and roll. Yeah. So I think the addition of John Wall gives them a different dynamic to their roster that they didn't have previously, mm-hmm. which I think can play a big part in, a, in, a, you know, in the West because Golden State likes to play fast. Yeah. So having the ability to play different styles throughout the course of both the regular season and playoffs mm-hmm. plays a big part. Now my dark horse is the Lakers. I, don't, I think when you have LeBron James, uh, you can't ever count him out. I think, you know, obviously the addition of Patrick Beverly is going to play a big part with them. That he, he's a proven winner. Yeah. Um, I think, and obviously we'll see how Russell Westbrook is. You know, I think mm-hmm. but when you have a Anthony Davis – and LeBron James, yeah. and we saw it in 2020. Obviously, it was a bubble, right? I'm not, again, I know it's so much different, but the talent is undeniable. Yeah, and in sure. the NBA, when you get to the playoffs, especially that's when it really matters the most, mm-hmm. whoever has the best players usually wins. You know? like, and that's kind of how this goes. So when you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, who are two of the top 10 to 15 players in the NBA mm-hmm. on your roster, um, you can't count that team out. I don't know how far they go. That's yeah. just my dark horse. I wouldn't be surprised if they made the finals. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, when you have LeBron on your team, you can never count them out. Yeah. They're similar, though. It's like the same thing where it's like, can they, you know, sustain a healthy season, right? Anthony yeah. Davis, you know, just always just, you always just worry he's going to get injured, and then, you know, he does get injured, something small or something big. But, you know, to kind of circle back to Toronto, it's interesting that you said, you know, I think everyone agrees that you need a superstar level player uh, to win, right? And so Toronto, I think they're still missing that, right? And it's going to be interesting to see if Scotty Barnes can develop into that player. Um, and I kind of want to know, you know, sorry, what are your thoughts on 
you know, your expectations for Scotty Barnes this season? Scotty's been absolutely snapping in the yeah. off season. Like, he is huge. Yeah. I can't. What is he? Twenty one or twenty? He's younger than me. He's. I think he's. A, I think he's. Yeah, I think he's twenty one. He doesn't look it at all. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just looking massive. He's looking super athletic. He's looking fast. Like, yeah. He's looking strong. Like mm-hmm. I think this is Scotty's year, and I think he's gonna come in hot. I think he's gonna be a great leader for the team. He mm-hmm. seems like he has that personality too where yeah. like, he really just brings the team together and I think he yeah. got what it takes to be a franchise player for us and even like in the off season with the drama again with Kevin Durant it's like yeah. it was crazy to see like Katie you're saying the best player in the world and so many people were saying like keep Scotty don't trade Scotty for right. Katie yeah. like that says so much about Scotty as a person as a player as yeah. what he is for Toronto right now that mm-hmm. people wanted to keep him over trading for Kevin Durant which would give us kind of like a shot at another run to the finals yeah so, I think Scotty definitely has what it takes, and I think it's going to be really fun to watch him grow on the team this year. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you rather have 10 years of Scotty, or would you rather have like two and a half years of Kevin Durant? And honestly, I respect I respect yeah. the answer that I know you're probably leaning towards, because I, I would probably say Yeah, I would take the two and a half years of Kevin Durant yeah. today. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, like one thing Masai says in every interview, right, is winning, winning, winning. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like that's what matters in his league. I think that's the reason why, like, he made that deal with Kawhi. Yeah. And obviously, Demar Derozan's gonna go down as a, one of the greatest Raptors, yeah. top two, three Raptors of all time. Absolutely. So to get rid of him to bring in someone for a season. Yeah. Um, so I, I was actually surprised the Raptors didn't go after Kevin Durant harder. Yeah. If it didn't mean giving up Scotty Barnes, um, I think Scotty obviously you can't deny his talent, right? Like he's Absolutely. A top ten. Young, yeah, like when you talk about the young, talented players in the NBA, like yeah. under 25 years old, he's definitely in the top 10 for sure. Mm-hmm. I think Scotty Barnes is going to be a generational talent. Yeah, me and that, me and some people were having an argument about like that draft class last yeah. year's incredible draft class, Absolutely. right? With Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, yeah, Franz Wagner is killing it right now. Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, I think Scotty Barnes is going to be the best player in that draft, mm-hmm. so I understand why you wouldn't give him up, but yeah. Um, it's a tough decision to make, right? Because you have Kevin Durant for whatever it's four years, and and you know you can put yourself obviously in the position of like you're in the top three to in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. But obviously at the same time, you know, you know maybe it just wasn't the right move they wanted to make, and they didn't yeah. want to give up their future or whatever that looked like. Because you're not just giving up Scotty Barnes, yeah. you're giving up multiple draft picks, I you're giving that. up other young players. Yeah. And so I understand why the move wasn't made, but just personally, in my opinion. I mean, when you have the greatest player in the world and there's an opportunity to get him, you go get him. Absolutely. That's just my opinion. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. It's interesting because, yeah, Scotty Barnes had a great rookie year and there's so much like expectation now on him. And so it's a bit, it scares me a little bit, right? Because now we're expecting him, even I vaulted him up to over 20 points per game. And I'm thinking, if we think he is the player he is, then he's going to come out and do that despite all the talent that's on this Raptors team. I think he's going to stand out. And we saw him on the all those off season, right? Him like grinding on defense in those like pickup games that they that they you know post YouTube clips. And so I feel like there's a lot of you know interesting dynamics within the Raptors organization that they have to focus on, right? So it's you know the development of Scotty Barnes, you've got like Pascal mm-hmm. and Freddie too, right? The older guys who you know I also put a hot take saying that one of them are going to get traded this year. That's kind of dependent on how the team performs, right? If they have a bit of a slow start, maybe you ship one of them, go younger. So that you can build more cap space to kind of pay out um, Gary Trent when he becomes a free agent soon, and, and Freddie as well if that's who they decide to keep. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting to kind of think about how this team is going to form this year, right? And I just want a quick peek under the hood because I know you're you're close to the team. But what is uh, Ken Birch for working on this year? Is he going to start pulling up the? I know he shoots the corner three. Is he going to start doing like? You know, where he has the ball in his hands, screen and roll type stuff or anything crazy? Nah, nothing like, nothing like that. I mean, Kevin so far, like, he ended up having knee surgery in May. So, like, the last few months, like, we just started actually getting back into training uh, at the end of last month. Yeah. Like, he took two months just to rehab. Like, he had, he had a pretty serious knee injury. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing to where it was any ligament damage or anything like that, but just some loose cartilage in his knee yeah. uh, that he had to get cleaned up. Um, so he just took the last couple months just to, you know, recover and get back 100%. Um, he just had a lot of lingering issues in his full, obviously with the nose and the tooth. Yeah. So, um, but so far, really, he's just working on getting back in shape. I think, like, Kevin's mm-hmm. one of those guys that we talk about, we use the word motor. Like, yeah. he brings a motor. Like, that's when he's at his best. He's playing at a high motor. Mm-hmm. Playing extremely hard. Absolutely. Um, and he's been working on his jump shot, obviously. Like, he obviously wants, he understands, like, in the way the Raptors play. It's really positionless. 
So he has yeah. to be able to get the ball on the perimeter, make an open shot, mm-hmm. get the ball on the perimeter and drive to the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously he's just gonna he's always gonna be himself. He's gonna be a screen roll guy. Yeah. He's gonna make the right play. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously he's been trying to you know refine his touch with his floater, which he's always great at. But yeah. Um, no, Kemba's just working on just being healthy and being in great shape for training camp. Mm-hmm. And I think if he does that, um, I think he can bring a really positive impact to a team trying to make you know a deep run in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, he reminds me a lot of Kevon Looney with the Warriors. Yeah. Um, probably a little more skilled in my opinion. Kevon Looney really doesn't shoot the ball, but as far as like the impact uh, Kevon Looney makes for the Warriors, yeah. his screaming Absolutely. with his ability to help Steph get open, his short roll passing, mm-hmm. his defense, his rebounding, keeping getting those second chance points, uh, both for himself and for his teammates. That's kind of what Ken Burns is going to bring to the roster. And I look, I look at the entire roster, and I don't see anyone else like him. You know, and I think that's what makes Ken so unique um, to the team. So I'm excited um, to see what it looks like more this year. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because a lot of times during the year, you know, running an Instagram page, you kind of see it. He ends up becoming a scapegoat because the Raptors feel like they can't guard big centers or re- out-rebound teams. When, in fact, if they're rebounding, and you look at it statistically, they're still in the top half of the league rebounding. And, you know, they can contain and be there's games where they can contain him. Um, there's games where he's had zero points post-Marcus All, Serge Ibaka era. So they can, you know, do what they need to with their, their centers. I think... Uh, the hole that's missing on the Raptors roster is like a true, um, not only like an additional point guard to help Fred Van Vliet, but just the ability to facilitate the ball. I, I think I talked about this um, before we started recording, but the Raptors are the, the worst team in terms of their assist to field goal made ratio. So they score a lot. They have the flex offense. They're supposed to keep it fluid and you know have a lot of assists and keep that ball moving. But a lot of the times when it gets like deep, you know, in a shot clock, they end up just scrambling and taking you know bad shots or. You know, Freddie just takes control, or somebody has to kind of force it, right? So, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they how they do that, how they integrate that. Especially, you know, Ken Birch, I think is going to be like a great piece for Toronto, obviously, as he always is. So, hopefully, you know, he just keep everyone can stay healthy and they can kind of you know, yeah. keep that team rolling together, you know, with the full of the offense there and keep everything together there. Absolutely. Yeah. What are your thoughts on you know the the rotation for Toronto this year? I was thinking about. I recently read. Um, have you guys read Bill Simmons' book? I think it's just called The Book of Basketball. Mm-hmm. And in it, he's talking about how Isaiah Thomas used to say that what teams needed at the time was the secret. Yeah. And what the secret is, is essentially like being unselfish and just being the player that your team needs you to be. Yeah. And that's kind of a lot of what Ken brings to the table is like he is willing to do what to be who the team needs him to be and to kind of change up how he's playing. Did, do you find that he had that, that ability when he was in Orlando, or do you feel like he's been trusted more on Toronto and by Nick Nurse to kind of be a two-way player? But that's how Kem always has been. Like Kem is always team first. Like no matter what he wants to do individually and how many points he wants to score, whatever the case may be, he's always about winning. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at an organization, uh, when he was in, when he was with Orlando, like the, the two years he played, like they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was a, a big part of that off the bench. And um, that's how Kem is now. You know, like Kem will sacrifice his body and himself for the team. Mm-hmm. You know, and as much as I want to see as his trainer him score points. And, and you know, get all these big numbers and be successful. At the end of the day, like Kem is always going to be who he is, and that's a team guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's why, um, like you mentioned, like people want to play with him, and um, people. I think that's why his role is going to be so important to this team because at the end of the day, like we already know what we're going to get at Pascal, Fred, Scotty, Gary. Mm-hmm. Like those guys are going to score points. OG, like those guys are going to score points for your team, and you need guys who are willing to, you know, be okay with not scoring the ball, mm-hmm. with doing the dirty work, with doing the stuff that doesn't show up in the box score. Because, you know, that's what helps win the basketball games. Mm-hmm. And Ken epitomizes that. And I really, really hope that um, he's held this year so he can really show for a full 82 games. Because he's, he's never really had that opportunity to show for a full 82 game season what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really healthy. He's getting really healthy right now. So I'm excited. And um, I think the Raptors need someone like that on their roster. Absolutely. 100% agree. We're just going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got um, more questions for you. Perfect. Sounds good. So I want to get into a little bit of your story because I was reading the articles and watching some of your interviews and I thought it was really cool kind of how your story all came about. Yeah. It kind of seems like the perfect mix of hard work and skill and also just luck and like yeah. being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to get into your background before talking about you meeting Kim and that part of your career. I kind of wanted to know what it was like. Why, where did you get the passion for basketball? I know you grew up in Chicago, like late 90s, early 2000s, so I'm sure it was like oozing with NBA. Yeah, so my dad uh, put a basketball in when I was five. So he uh, was from Hong Kong and ended up moving to Chicago for work. 
and he used to watch those like Bulls games. He used to like record them and put them on VHS. So I'm old enough yeah. for VHS. So he used to <laughs> pop them in there and like I used to watch like Michael Jordan, those guys like when I was like growing up. Um, my passion just came from my dad. Like he put a basketball hand at five years old. And like he was an Asian parent, they try to like teach you all these different things. So I had Taekwondo and yeah. soccer and baseball. But I just gravitated toward basketball. So um, I grew up in a town called Evanston, and in Evanston, like basketball culture is really, really big there. Yeah. Um, just in the Chicago area, it's, it's pretty big. So um, I fell in love with the game pretty quickly, and I had dreams of always playing in the NBA, but I never grew. Yeah. And so I just, you know, I wanted to work in basketball, or do something in basketball. So um, I grew pretty quick. Like I've loved basketball since I've been five. And, been my passion ever since. Yeah. And then you went to college for basketball, right? Mm-hmm. You were in a D3 school yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. And then through that, you had a friend, Eric Green, yeah. who played on Olympiacos yeah. with uh, Cam, right? Yeah. So that's how you met Cam. Absolutely. Did you meet him in Greece? I met Cam in Greece. So I went out there. Eric invited me out there just to hang out. You yeah. know, like, it was my first time internationally. And, like, when you go overseas, like, there's the Greek players, and yeah. none of them speak English really well. So all the Greek players hang out, and then usually every overseas team is like three or four Americans mm-hmm. or, or in North American players. So it was Eric, Kem, Patrick Young, and, and, and another guy. And so we would hang out. Me and Kem and Eric would hang out every day. Yeah. And so it was a really cool experience just to be out there with Kem. And, like, Kem was a great guy, like, funny funny dude. Like, I had no expectation of, like, him playing in him. I didn't really know too much about him. Yeah. Besides, like, watching him play with Eric or the person he was or anything. But... Um, we kept in touch, and, and that's kind of how like my, that was my first inter- introduction to meeting Cam. How did that parlay into you then starting to train for Cam, or help Cam Yeah, train? so the next year I go back to, so I was after my freshman year of college, I go back to college again, I play basketball, Cam ended up signing with the Magic that same year. Yeah. Um, and like, I always like, for Eric, I always used to like break down footage, so mm-hmm. I would watch his game and like, I was like, hey, like, you missed this shot, like, you should just do this next time, just give him a little advice, you know, so I did the same thing. Well, with Kem. Kem really wasn't playing too much in the NBA. He spent a lot of time out here with Lakeland Magic. Um, so I would like, break down the G League film and send it to him, and he would just be like, oh, thank you. I'm going to implement this in the next game. Like, oh, instead of driving all the way to the basket, you should have stopped here and did a floater. Yeah. You should have did this, this, and this. And then uh, after the season, uh, well, toward the end of the season, he, he's like, you want to come out to a few games? And I was like, cool. So I come out to a few games, we hang out. And I end up um, back overseas again with Eric in Spain. He's playing for a different team this year. Yeah. I get a phone call like at four in the morning out there. Kevin gives me a call. Yeah. I'm like, what does this guy want? It's four in the morning. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think like what he wants. And he's like, what do you think about basketball training? And I was just like, I trained high school kids. Like, I, 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 uh, in 2016, 20 I founded the AAU program back in my community oh, wow. just to get back to the community. Like, I trained kids, but never really pros I had no idea anything about it or what to do like or anything so but he really persisted and was like I want you to try it out you really know my game more than anybody else um, and I think you're a really smart basketball mind I tried to explain to him that doesn't mean you'll be a good trainer yeah. like there are a lot of good basketball minds but like he really persisted and gave it a shot and ended up being really good at it yeah. so that's awesome. Uh, that's kind of how it partly did where I'm What do you think gave Cam the confidence in, in you when you didn't really have the confidence in yourself yet? And how did he instill that confidence in you to make such a big leap to leave college and go train? Um, I don't know what Cam was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him to this day and like, he just said, I had a feeling, you know? And, like sometimes yeah. like, you have to trust people in that profession that they know what they're talking about. But I'm just so grateful that um, he continued to like, like that first year, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. We were in Orlando, and like I was just trying things out. Like we, like we sometimes we'd be in the gym for two and a half hours, which now I know is not a good idea. But yeah. we just be in there just doing anything, like whatever I thought was best, and like never complained. Um, and he just kept saying he would give his input, like oh maybe this won't work or maybe this will work, but he really gave me a hundred percent like control over like what we were doing. And by doing that, um, giving me that trust, that's how I built the confidence because. Yeah. You know, a professional basketball players like giving me the confidence that um, I can be like help him propel his career. You know, and like as as a trainer, like you know, that's a, an incredible feeling. So, just him being able to do that for me was unreal. It's an unreal feeling, and I'm so grateful now. I mean, we're literally just talking about this the other day. Like, he really propelled my career. Yeah, you know, and like, I'm grateful for him forever. Like, I'm indebted to that man forever. I mean, whatever they, whatever him and his family need. For the rest of his life, I'll be there for him. Also, that's how much yeah. like what he did means to me. 
That's amazing. I was listening to a podcast with his mom, Wendy. Yeah. Uh, I was Will who was interviewing her, and it seems like such a big theme for them is confidence. And she was even saying, like, growing up with Cam, like, the main thing that she would try to do is instill confidence in him so that he knew yeah. what his ability was. So it's really cool to see he kind of paid that forward to you, and he huh. saw something special in you and helped grow that confidence in you. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Absolutely. He's the greatest guy. People really ever get to meet Cam, like, he's the nicest guy you ever meet. Mm -hmm. So I'm just so grateful for him. Like, that's really my big brother. Like, I'm just so grateful. He's helped me not only in basketball, but in life. And, like, that's something when he retires, I'll be able to take forever, right? Like, the mm -hmm. basketball part is great, but eventually Kevin Burge is not going to be a basketball player anymore, yeah. whenever yeah. that is, in eight or ten or whatever many years. And he's just going to be a regular guy, you know? And, like, our relationship and what he's taught me will carry on forever, you know? So that's it's, it's an unbelievable feeling. What are some, like, do you have any funny stories or memories? <laughs> like, what's your favorite memory with Kevin? I don't know if these are appropriate. <laughs> uh, man, I really honestly don't have one. I think honestly, like the the best memory just it's, ever, it's just going to the games and like watching him like do what we do in the workouts in the games and him be succeed as an NBA player because people don't know like he's been through so much. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like from being in the G League and playing overseas and you know being the fifteenth man and you know being in and out the rotation and. Praying that he'll get a multi-million dollar contract, you know, like he's really started in the NBA as a 15th man. So he'll go to games now and like hear his name in Toronto in his home country yeah. is like starting at center, like Ken Burge. Like that's like you sit there before the game, like it chills because like I can only imagine how he feels. Yeah, yeah. And all his hard work um, has paid off, you know, like and he has such a long way to go, and that's one thing I love about him. Like he's never content. But I remember that last year, like, just sitting there in the first Raptors home game mm -hmm. when they played the Wizards. Like, he didn't start or anything, but they introduced all the players before the game. And they said, like, for Montreal, Quebec, Ken Burch. And I'm looking at him, and I'm just like, I know this is, like, a surreal moment for him. Because yes. it's a surreal moment for me. For sure. So yeah. I know, like, that's probably, those are some, like, the best moments. You go to games, you see him do well, like, play for his hometown team. Like, yeah. Those are, those are the best moments. Because at the end of the day, that's why we train, why we work hard. So eventually like he can have those moments that he yeah. can take for him with the rest of his life yeah and he's like an early staple of Canadian basketball too especially Montreal because right? yeah. now you have him you have Lou Dort coming out of Montreal so he just kind of represents a yeah, lot Chris Boucher Chris Boucher Benedict well. Mather right now like it's Absolutely. it's going yeah. there for real you guys are going to play there too right yeah I'm, I'm going to miss the game I'm excited I'm excited he's like he's excited to go back like, yeah That's they said the year before when Chris went or two years ago they said Chris got like an like a standing ovation. So I'm excited like, oh, to yeah. see like, I'm sure where it's he'll like, get his when, dues there. I'm sure goes, I wish I could be there for it. So, but it's going to be, you know, I'm going to be excited to watch it on TV and hear all about like how the experience was. Yeah. I just have a couple other questions. I wanted to know, you mentioned in your article with Sportsnet, or interview with Sportsnet, that the 2019 FIBA Team Canada team was kind of a turning point yeah. for you guys. And that's when you saw some a change. Yeah. Um, what happened during that season and what kind of made, what changes did you make after that? So I was so fortunate I was able to go. So I was in Australia when they like, I was, well, I started, they started here, they played Nigeria for a few games and they moved their train to Australia, they played Team USA, yeah. they played Australia and I was able to go to China as well. And the biggest thing I saw in him was just his confidence uptake was, was incredible. He was doing things I've never seen him do before. He was trying things out and I asked him like what it was and he was like, Nick Nurse. Yeah. Like Nick Nurse, like gave him like the and he never played for Nick before. I had no relationship with Nick. Like the, the year, like that same season they played Toronto in the playoffs. Like that was the only interaction like he even had with him. So um, just being around him, I could just tell like his personality changed. Like he woke up as a more confident basketball player. Like and I just I, and Nick Nurse just allowed him the freedom to just pretty much go out there and just obviously within the system and not trying anything too much, but. Kemp started shooting threes. He didn't, he didn't make any, but he was shooting them, and yeah. he was putting the ball on the floor and and shooting shots that we would work on. Like, and he just had the ultimate confidence. And um, right then and there, I saw I was like, he can do this in the NBA. Yeah. Like, he just needs the opportunity. And I'm just, it's crazy how it all worked out with him going to Toronto. And you saw, I saw it in that in, in the 20 games in Tampa. Mm -hmm. Like, that's who Kemp Birch can be 82 games out the year. I know people like it's Tampa, it was the bubble, blah, 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 but it's NBA basketball. Like it wasn't like he's and a lot of those games were on the road. Like it wasn't like he was like he had his best game on the road. Like people yeah. think like they what like some of his best games weren't in Tampa. Mm -hmm. Like they were in Utah, in Denver, like in these real hostile environments. Those places had fans. Yeah. Like he had good games against the Clippers. Like that's when Kawhi and PG were playing. So um it just showed me like 
that that FIBA, you know, that FIBA experience showed me one how much he cares about his country because it was only him and Corey Joseph were only two big players yeah. to go do it. But also just like how much you know how much growth he really had made that I couldn't tell. Like I had no idea because with the Magic, he pretty much was just doing what he was told, sticking to his role, not trying to do anything because he didn't want to make any mistakes. Like I understood it. Like you want to just you want to just find your niche first. You want yeah. to you want to be solidified. And so the Team Canada experience was incredible, and I'm so happy he had that because it allowed him to see for himself yeah. he can do more, mm-hmm. and then he was able to use that. Um, to his career now, mm-hmm. and so that was that was incredible. I'm so happy I went, and hopefully uh, next year I can go. And, and they're playing in the Philippines for the World Cup, and yeah. hopefully he can be able to do it again. Absolutely, and he's one of those players that yeah, he's unfazed by the moment. He can go in any city and just have you know a staple game, drop yeah. a double double, and have a big game. But I think a lot of that credit not only to FIBA, but it goes to you as well for yeah. working with him all right. the time, right? And so when you do work with him, what? Do you work on most? Is it mostly shooting? Is it footwork, or do you kind of work on everything all right. this game? Yeah, so I think early, early when we first started, when we were in the Orlando days, it was a lot more like learning everything: shooting, dribbling, floaters, like just mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. But now it's kind of like with Nick, we kind of know where he's going to get the ball at. Like yeah. Nick Nurse does a great job. Kem is at a point where he's thirty years old now. Not saying he can't get better or like add things to his game, but I think it's much more about being really, really efficient in the spots he's going to get the ball. So yeah. we really like drill. Like I know. He shoots the little pick and roll floater. We drill that every day. Like he starts a day every day making hundred floaters. Mm-hmm. Like this is something he does every day. Like and so it's a lot more of I'm sure a lot of corner threes because all of his threes last year were corner threes. All corner threes yeah. And so like we're just drilling where he's gonna get the ball on the floor. So yeah. it's it's a lot more of that uh, now. Early when we first started, like it was dribbling and learning how to shoot floaters and do all these different things. But now it's just about perfecting you know his craft because I think he's only going to shoot two or three or four different shots in a game because and that's what's so great about Kim he doesn't need the ball a lot mm-hmm. so it's not like he's a high volume guy that's going to get 20 shots a game so I'm like a Pascal we have to work on so many different skills mm-hmm. it's really it's really perfecting the floater the corner three the free throw like yeah. literally like little simple shots but are just the ones that he has to make mm-hmm. and um I wish last year he wasn't hurt because you know he missed some easy ones last year and it affected his confidence and so I'm so happy he's healthy now, and we're back in the gym working now. Uh, we're gonna go tonight just to just continue to work on yeah. it. I think you know he's such a hard worker and he's a true professional. And I wish people knew how much time he put in on his craft, both mm-hmm. before practice, after practice, before games, at night at home. He's stretching out before he goes to sleep. Like mm-hmm. just the amount of things he does. So yeah, that's where he's at. Yeah, definitely dedicated. He's also in great shape <clears throat> all the yeah. time, right? Um, so say you're gonna take someone like like me and, and you know work on my jump shot with me. I think right now I could hit three out of ten corner threes corner on the NBA one. I think I could okay. probably. So how long would it take to get me from that to shooting you know forty fifty percent? Three out of ten to five out of ten? Not much. A week. A week? Yeah. Go longer than gym. A week, like twice a day with me for a week. We'll we'll get up to five out of ten. Now get it up to eight or nine. Give me a month or two. A month or two. <laughs> like, now. Yeah, teaching. I, mean, I, 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 I should get a like a pro rating, like a cheaper rating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but, no. yeah, we never to do that. Now shooting a lot is honestly, it's uh, if you have good form, I think it's weeks since I'm teaching form. But if you have good form, it's just mental. Yeah, it's mental and it's reps. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of guys like. They'll go into an empty gym and like a lot of these guys think can't like people probably think Kem's not an elite shooter. But they'll go into a gym and he'll make 15, 17, 20 NBA corner threes in a row. Like people don't know that. Like yeah. they just think that because he goes out there and misses one a game, like like these guys can all really shoot, but a lot of it's mental, like it's reps, like Kem only make it one corner three a game. Yeah. You know, and he has to be mentally prepared to shoot the Absolutely. one three. Yeah. And that's hard when you're only getting one a game and mm-hmm. to be mentally locked in, so um, that's 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 half the battle right there. Yeah. How do you work with Kevin on his mental game? He he did it himself, you know. Like I think a lot. I, I, we sit here and we'll talk and like all like I've learned a lot with him just about mental. Like uh, mental, like outside of skill, like to me, like the mental part of basketball. Like I've learned from all my clients now is is huge. Um, Kem is Kem is like one of the most. He's the smartest. One of the smartest people I know. Mm-hmm. And like he, he understands everything that's going on, whether he's playing good and playing bad. And um, he's got to a point now to where like all the all the ups and downs throughout his career. I think that's what's taught him everything: his experiences. Like his mental strength and fortitude was built through his experiences, like playing overseas, being cut, um, being the fifteenth man, going from starter to bench, not playing for twenty games in a row and having to be ready to play. Like mm-hmm. he's done it all. 
um, dealing with injuries. Like he likes, he's had so many ups and downs in his career that it's helped build this mental strength to where now like he can get through anything, you know, like even this injury that he's had, like it put him in a pretty low spot mentally. And just to see him like grow from that as a person and a man to now he like he's ready to come back like full forward. And even like during the season, like he, he couldn't do certain things because of his knee. And like to see him still go out there and play an NBA caliber game, like mm-hmm. that the mental capacity to go do that and, and play as hard as he possibly could. And don't be wrong, the Raptors still were fifth seats. Like they were winning games. Like he was impacting winning. And so like it may not have showed up in the box score, but to go out there and for him to be able to do that, excuse me, every night um, was incredible. So he's just taught me so much just by his experiences. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's what's taught him. Yeah. And just him like going in there every day and just having a routine, being a professional and coming every day, like regardless of how good or how bad it is, I think that's everything, right? Mm-hmm. I think like being able to manage disappointment at this level is mm-hmm. the most important. Anyone can manage success, right? When you're successful, everyone's happy, it's great. Yeah. But I think when you're able to manage disappointment, because that happens a lot. You're not gonna be Absolutely. good 82 games out the year. Like no one is. The greatest players in the world don't play well 82 games. Okay. So to manage bad days, injuries, and being, for him to be able to do all that is just, I think that's where his mental strength and fortitude comes from. Because also the better you are, the, be- the bigger the expectations, the more yeah. hate you're also getting Absolutely. on those days you fall short. So you really need to be able to kind of be able to take the good with the bad and right. let it roll off your roll off your back the days you didn't do it. Absolutely, 100%. You can't be, can't be great at it, so can't ask for a better person when it comes to mental health. Yeah, I can imagine the mentality. Like, even just going to play, literally play pickup games in front of nobody. Who cares? Like, you get so upset when you, like, miss every shot you take or something. And, right. You know, players have to go through that. And then you have that added layer of, like, social media. And you have that added layer of all these other things. Do you yeah. think social media plays a big impact on, oh, man. on the players? A huge part. Ken doesn't have social media anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was like, trying to tag him something. I was like, yeah. I was like, walk me? I was like oh, no. Ken, Ken doesn't have Instagram. Um, like he's on Twitter a little bit. Like I don't run that though. Like he's on Twitter a little bit. Like I just don't manage his social media and there's anything on there. But like he doesn't use social media like that. Like he doesn't see what goes on. It's he's better for it. <laughs> he's better for it. But I definitely think it plays a big part. Like because for me as a trainer, I sometimes interact with the fans when they go on there. So I can only imagine really? like and, and as a, as a, as a person, right? Forget being a basketball player. Like you care. You know, you want to know what people are saying. You know, like. Everyone can say they don't care, but after a while, it's like, you want to know what's going on. So Absolutely. Yeah. I would say for the majority of professional athletes, they, they look at it, and I can say for Kemp for sure, like he used to look at that stuff all the time. Yeah. That's why he doesn't have social media anymore. Yeah, that's like, he'll, he'll go on to Twitter every once in a while, look, try to delete the app. He yeah. doesn't even use Instagram. Like, so I definitely know it plays a part. Oh, for Obviously, sure. you can see like the guys like Kevin Durant, that he's like, he's very big with interacting with fans. Yeah. It definitely plays a part in some way, shape, or form, right? Yeah, for sure. From, especially if you get the greatest players in the world are interacting with people, yeah. you can only imagine what the rest of the league is doing. So. Yeah, well, you know, say I post like uh, an end of a game like summary, right? And you see the top comment, for example, it's like literally sometimes people will just say like Ken's shit. Like someone will just comment yeah. that, yeah. they'll get like 80 likes, and it's like, you know, people don't think before they say it, but they are very reactive to a game. and they want to blame somebody, right? So I don't blame them for not using social media because, yeah, I see you in there interacting with people. I always interact yeah. with them. You got to defend them, right? Because we actually watch every game and, you know, are well-versed in it. Yeah. So you just have to figure out how to deal with the social media trolls. It's always going to be a part. Like, that's not going anywhere. So I, and no matter how much I wish, like, people really tried to, like, sit, not use their emotion. and Everyone's going to have their opinion, right? And that's yeah. what makes sports and what we're doing here great. Like, yeah. We all have our own opinion, and mm-hmm. that's what makes what we do great. Absolutely. So speaking of the social media trolls, I do have some questions from fans. Okay. We're just, just going to go through three because they're the only good ones. But um, they kind of want to figure out what the, the development process is like to becoming right. a better, but not only better, but a consistent like shooter in the NBA or a consistent producer in the NBA, what that process looks like. When it comes to shooting, we start with shooting first. Like, yeah. it's, it's just a lot about first I look at like – I'll go with Lamar Stevens because he's the last guy who really like tweaked his jumper. It was yeah. just like one looking at is his forms. Like when I watch the film, it's like what is his body doing from the way he releases the ball to his footwork. Right. Um, so that's the biggest thing. And then once I like pick out an issue, like for him, it was just like he was he was shooting a different shot every time. One time he would just follow through. One time he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we fixed that immediately. Like first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna hold our follow through. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just all about like you watch you watch the video. Um, you figure out what you need to be able to fix for every player is going to be different um, mm-hmm. and you just and, and you 
figure out what it is. Like I think that's what makes basketball trainers like, train so hard. Like everyone has their own opinion. Yeah. So I form my opinion and I'm like, okay, this is what we need to get better at. I show them on the video and then we go. But as far as like just training in general, it's the same kind of concept. Like you figure out what they're, what they're good at, what mm-hmm. they're bad at. And the biggest thing too is like what, what they're doing in the role they're in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, especially when you get to the professional level, like we can teach guys, you know, step back jumpers and all these kind of different shots, but if they're yeah. not, that's not their role, mm-hmm. there's no point of teaching. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously there's a fine line because players always, you know, they're going to believe like, hey, like I need to get better at this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, you need to get better at this, this, and this. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's kind of give and take between it all. But when you show them on the video and you try to explain to them, like it's about being realistic and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like obviously we want all of our players to grow and develop into a great role, but there's one Kevin Durant, and one Kyrie, That's one right. Pascal. Like there's, there's there's very few guys who ever just go out and court and do anything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of ninety percent of the NBA are role players. Mm-hmm. And so That's figuring right. out what your role is and how you can be successful in it is what gets you paid. Mm-hmm. So that's really what it is, like figuring out the role and things like that. But when it comes to the nitty gritty, just watching the film um, and then using, you know, the my God given yeah. ability of. Um, it's crazy. No, it's crazy yeah. how like you can just notice the nuances in someone's shot because you have to adjust it for every person's jump shot. Like if you're given like Lonzo Ball when he first came to the league, like you're gonna have to tweak it differently than you tweak Ken Burch's jump shot right. or anybody else's, right? So it's so interesting to listen like the nuances and I'm guessing your experience watching games is probably way different than like what I'm watching. Oh yeah, no, I, it's I get nervous. I'm not like a player for the game. Like, yeah. I'm not getting nervous. Like when Ken checks in, my heart starts beating fast. <laughs> I'm just like, oh shit, it's you know? guy, right? yeah, that's my guy. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I just wanted to be successful, right? Absolutely. And like, and, and usually, like, it goes away, right? It goes away just like anything else. But it's mm-hmm. like you want them to be successful so bad, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and that's that's you know, you, you care about them as a person, and you care yeah. about them. obviously you're you're their trainer, but you just want to see them do well because it's their career, you know? Like, it's what they do every day, and it's a lot of pressure. So mm-hmm. you just want them to do well. You know? Yeah, well, they're playing for their livelihood, right? They yeah. go up there, they're playing for one of what is it 400 spots in the nba 450, yeah. 450 spots in the nba and yeah it's like once once you're not in that top threshold i think anything below that it's just so difficult to make a living right, right. if you're in the g league and stuff so you're playing for the ability to live comfortably 100 right and so i don't i don't fully know kemp's upbringing but i'm sure he worked so hard in montreal grew up yeah and just like now he's in this place where he has to you know keep working on this game and, and keep you know keep up with the the way the NBA is shifting too, right? It's becoming like a shooter's first league. Um, so I feel like that's a, a big factor as well, for sure. Yeah, he's never comfortable. That's one thing I love about Kevin. Like, he's a tireless worker and he's a professional. Like mm-hmm. He comes in every day to work and that's why he is what he is. Absolutely. All right, second question. What is, what's the average day look like, um, not only in the regular season, but also you know in the off season for, for you as you like train, train players and stuff like that? It depends. Um, so like, it depends how many clients I'm with. So like for today, like I have nothing to do until we go to the gym at seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just chilling today. Chilling. Like just big chilling today. But usually, like if I have three, four, like I'm, I'm in Orlando a lot, and I have like three or four guys. So yeah. you'll wake up at seven a.m. Um, so recently, I've actually been going to the lifting with the players. So we'll go to a lift. Yeah. Like so, the players like we'll all go to the same uh, strength trainer guy, and like I'll do the lift with them. And yeah. So we'll sick. do that. Um, that'll be about eight. And then nine o'clock, I have three workouts back to back to back. So you have one at nine, one at 10, one at 11. And those are usually shooting sessions. Mm-hmm. So they're just coming in and just getting regular shots up, um, like spot shots. Because um, like you said, it's a shooter's league. You made a great point, the shooter's league. And you have to be able to shoot the ball. It doesn't matter really what position. Obviously, centers are the one position where you can get away with it, not mm-hmm. knowing how to shoot. Um, but we're in the gym anyway, do working on it. So I usually have three clients in Orlando, so it's nine, uh, 10, 11, nine, nine, 10, and 11 will be done at 12. Yeah. And I'll get a small break. Um, and then depending on the day, like some days, like there'll be a sand work on after. Like, so with the lifting, the shooting, and the guys will go in the sand and work on their agility and stuff. After, if not, then I have a break after that. So I have a break from like 12 to six. Mm-hmm. And then I have the three workouts again, six to 745, 745, uh, six to 7.15, 7.15, 8.30. 8.30 to 9.45. So you're pretty much in the gym for four hours. Mm-hmm. 10 o'clock hits, grab some food. Yeah. Uh, you have time, watch video, but usually I try to get my video work done previously so I don't have to do it you know, in the summertime because it's so hard. But obviously I'm always watching film, um, doing some type of video throughout the week and mm-hmm. then the time you go to sleep is 12 o'clock. You gotta be up at seven the next morning. So Busy, man. Busy day. Yeah. Like, and then it's a lot of traveling and moving around. In season it's a lot better. 
Usually it just depends on if guys need work or not. But for the most part, it's just me going to games, being supportive. After every game, though, that a player plays, all my clients that I have, NBA, like when a game finishes, I'm sending out an edit the same day. Mm -hmm. So edits going out of like, these are the shots you shot. Um, and then there's a voiceover uh, if I have an opinion about it. Like, so if a guy shoots a shot, or I mean, I'm, I don't like it, I'll be like, oh, instead of doing this, you should have did this. Or if he mm -hmm. turns the ball over, it's like, hey, like, should have made this read instead of that read. Mm -hmm. So an edit will go out the same day. Right. So they have like a like a uh, an opinion, or so they can see like you, right? so they can see over, like yeah. what they, and immediately because most NBA games sometimes you have back to back or you have a game the next day, so or a game every other day, so. Um, those edits are going out pretty frequently yeah. after every game, but the off season is obviously way harder than in season. So a lot of traveling miles on your body, and then you're mm -hmm. on the court um, six, seven hours a day. So yeah. that's taxing. That is taxing. You said that you do strength training uh, with the players. Yeah. Where do you rank on the strength scale? Oh, I'm at the bottom. 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 It's okay though. You know, at the end of the day, like that's somewhere, right? I'm doing the same workouts they're doing. That just a little less weight. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I mean, the biggest thing I told I wanted to do this year was like, I want to show them like, hey, like if I can go in there and do it, you can do it. Absolutely. You know, like and sometimes it's not that they need a little extra motivation, but it's like they see me in there, they see me in there grinding. Like, Absolutely. there's no excuses. You know, mm -hmm. like they can't make an excuse for anything. I want, I want, I want my business. And like when I train guys, it always be about that. There's no mm -hmm. excuses, you know. Mm -hmm. Like whatever we're doing, whether it's on the court, in the game, whatever. Like there's never an excuse, you know. Like, mm -hmm. and we always can do more, you know. That's that's my that's my biggest thing. So if I can show them, like, hey, like I understand you're putting in the hard work and you're putting in the time, I can do it too. Absolutely. You know, I want to I want to make sure like I'm that same type of role model that they they know that that they're they're big for me. So. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. I'm kind of curious because you're, you're making tape and you kind of started your career off making these yeah. tapes. When you were originally doing it, were people coming to you asking for it? Were you going up to people and just like, hey man, I made this tape, I got some pointers for you. Like, how did that would, come about? Yeah, I would just send it and just be like, you know what? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, so like Eric was the first ever guy I did it for. And like, I would send it out and be like, hey, this was good, this was bad. Just because I wanted him to do so well as his friend. Yeah. And I'm like, I love basketball. <laughs> and I was like, he, he, he looked at the edit and he was like, oh, this is pretty good. Can you yeah. do another one? <laughs> and so that's kind of how it started. And like, um, I think the film, the film aspect is such an important part because um, obviously you can't be on the court with them all the time. Yeah. Like I talked about earlier, a lot of basketball is mental. So to be on, to be able to show them the video and it's like, one thing about video never lies. Mm -hmm. They can say, I didn't do this or I didn't do that all they want. But if you can show them the video, and I think that's what a, that's what I always do when I have a new client. It's like, or it's like I appeal to them first with the film. Yeah. You right. show them, it's like, hey, like, this is what you're not doing, though, mm -hmm. and this is how I can help you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how like I've been able to grow my business to start was always with the video, and um, and, the, and the players really appreciate it because they always know they can come to me and be like, hey, like, can you pull this clip from this and this? Can you pull my clips for this? Or even after games, excuse me, they know they can get that edit and mm -hmm. uh, what they did well and what they didn't do well. Yeah, and clearly they know it works and it's effective because they watch it and they actually get that feedback, right? They right. see you do it and they're like, this guy knows what he's talking about. They fired the same thing. If I were to voice over a video and be like, yeah, get this wrong, they would be like, who the fuck is this guy? This is right. Doing, right? So clearly you know what you're doing and you're in the right space right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just have a couple more questions. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, it's mostly about interactions with NBA players. But the first one is like, who, besides Cam, because I know you love Cam, yeah. and, and Mo, I guess, anyone that you haven't worked with, who's like the friendliest player that you know or you met? Friendliest? Yeah. I was going to say Mo, like Mo, I didn't, uh, Yeah. That's why I couldn't, couldn't include them. Rajon Rondo. He, he was like, I met him, I, I was weird, I'm weird in Cleveland, and uh, it's like, obviously, the funny thing is, like, I was a big Rajon Rondo fan growing up. And like, we just kind of kept running into him. Whether mm -hmm. we are like training the bar, he's at the facility, or after games, or at a restaurant, like we just run into him. And like every time, we just come up and just say hi. And like he was, he was just super friendly. And I mm -hmm. think that one stuck out because um, when I was growing up, like 2008, like he was the guy. 2007, like he was the guy. Mm -hmm. like, um, so just to be able to interact with him, that was 